1: the boys are back and blitz week continues on and we have a treat because it has been way too long we've gotten him as a proper guest he's everybody's favorite primer you've heard him all over the airwaves he's the longest running jock on 101.5 k rock he's been holding it down on the game on 1350 K-Man. He's now the voice of the Manhattan High Indians, and you'll be hearing his silky tones all over the PA and Bill Snyder Family Stadium, and I think down in Arlington as well. You know him. You love him. He's my favorite. Don't tell anyone else, but it's Mitch the Fortner. Mitch, finally, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Mr. Wildcat, and that's a, that's a heck of an introduction. Nobody's ever given me that great of an introduction before. I don't know even what to say. I'm humbled by the by the kind words. I'll just top that with uh, with Go Cats, and uh, I'll start a USA, USA chant because, of course, uh, what the men were able to do this weekend.
1: Yes, that, the, the Gold Cup was amazing. The women uh, did not do so well. Before we got started, I started telling you about uh, the puppy I just adopted, little Chauncey Bosco. So he is crate trained, but last night he did get a little bit sick uh, right around 3 a.m. So I took him outside and then I was laying down uh, stairs and I sadly watched the entire U.S., Canada, uh, you know, I guess it would have been the semifinals and the Olympics. And the for the first time maybe in my life, the women did not live up to expectations when the men exceeded it. So it's a wacky world of U.S. soccer that we're currently living in.
2: And it's. It was a shocker. They lost to Canada. I'm sure Bret Hart is, uh, is, you know, ecstatic about that win. At least they can win bronze on Thursday, but it just doesn't seem like them to to uh, have to consider playing for third place in anything.
1: Yeah. And I think this is the second straight year. They've kind of struggled in the Olympics. So maybe they're more having their eye on the world cup, but I mean, It really says a lot about the two different programs where, hey, the men won the regional championship. I'm not taking away from it. That was one of the best non-World Cup wins in U.S. soccer history. We've gotten two of those this summer, but then we are looking at the women like, wow, if you don't win the big trophy, it's almost a failure. So it kind of tells you how polar opposite those two programs are. Well,
2: and speaking of soccer, even though the, the women's national team might be taking a step back right now, and you're right, 2016 Olympics, they were bounced in the quarterfinals. To Sweden, but the K State soccer team—that is a team to watch out for this year. They should have been in the Big 12 tournament this year if it wasn't a COVID year. They're going to be even better, I think, this year because I've been—I talked a little bit with Mike Dabini about it, and he is—I think I've never heard him this excited about a team yet.
1: Yeah, so I didn't have it on here, but you were the original voice of the women's soccer program from the inception. I, while I've only gotten to like six or seven home games, I'm still a season ticket holder. I love watching them on ESPN plus. Give me just the scouting report because Brooklyn Entz is coming back for a super senior season before she comes out here to Kansas city to play for Casey Woso. What is your expectations for the women's soccer team this year? Uh,
2: I would say a more balanced Team, uh, because early on in the program they are focused more like sitting back on defense, not trying. I mean, to be honest with you, just trying not to get blown out by these teams that are obviously more established. Now, the offensive side of the things uh, of the of the game with the attack, and they're typically like you know a four three three type of type of team, and th- they have established more of the attack, and now it's more like what you're going to see with K State football and and basketball using the transfer portal. To their, uh, to their benefit, and they really have used the transfer portal. I mean, they're going after power five players that maybe didn't get the most playing time at Ohio State or NC State, these good teams, and they're bringing them now to K-State. Bring all that together with the experience and the legend that is Brooklyn ends. That is uh, – I mean, that's where they're going to really step up with the experience that they've brought in.
1: Definitely, and I'm excited for them. Usually our last episode of – Blitz month is getting Brian smaller and who gets us primed not only for K state football, but for volleyball and soccer as well. So I might need to call you in and make it a three-way zoom call to get a little bit more soccer because I really am excited for those gals and I'm excited for volleyball. And uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be a much better sports season for K state all across the board in 21, 22.
2: Without a doubt. And uh, volleyball, like that's another example of, Man, really, last year, they should have had a, a down year. But uh, Coach Fritz used the transfer portal and brought in a few players, and they were knocking on the door of the NCAA tournament. That was already a short field anyway. It was not a field of 64. So their expectations are high as well once you know we have a season that's more normal because yeah, we are going to have a full season this next year.
1: Yeah, both those women's sports would have had postseason glory that we haven't seen in a while uh, if it wasn't for COVID. Um, so what I'm going to do, because I love talking to you and I love talking to Brian about these other sports, I'm going to bring you in uh, maybe for an extra episode, a little bit closer to the season kicking off, because I want to go more in depth in both those sports this year. So I'm going to be leaning on you and Brian while when we get a little bit closer to that. But let's jump into things. Before we do talk specifically football, I want to talk a little bit about you. I don't know if you're a bashful man. I don't know if you're a prideful man. Open book. Well, I think you should be proud because you are taking over as the full-time PA voice of the K-State football team. Um, You you did do PA for that big win versus Oklahoma a couple years ago, but your second game doing football is going to be in the home of your favorite NFL team, the Dallas Cowboys down in AT&T Stadium. What sort of nerves do you have going into the season knowing that, hey, you are now the guy?
2: I suppose there is some pressure to take over for Dave because he did it for close to 15 years, and that's a long time. He established himself, obviously, and people trust him as a PA announcer. And I hope K-State fans already trust me with the baseball, basketball, uh, volleyball that I've done over the years. Not,
1: it, it, your it, voice isn't new to K-State fans. Like I said, everyone has heard your voice. It's a legendary voice amongst K-State fans, but but it is going to be a little bit different, you know. Uh, yeah. you, you know, what, seven, eight – uh, Saturdays in the fall every year.
2: I mean, the, the goal is just to, you know, not disappoint people, obviously. I, I'm not worried about people not liking me. What will happen is if they don't like me, I'll probably grow on them at some point. Uh, the thing is, like, the thing about Arlington, though, is I'm just, I think I'm nervous about the setup. Like, the whole, is because it's, it's going to be a lot different and it's something new to get used to. But it's also going to be treated like a K-State home game, so that is really going to help. Like and I'm talking with the game day atmosphere, the pregame, all of that is going to be treated like a, a K-State home game, so that does help. But, I mean, I've been getting asked all the time, like, how are you going to make it your own and uh, how, are you going to, how are you going to separate yourself from Dave a little bit? Like, that is the, uh, that's the part of the whole thing where I probably shouldn't change too much because there's a lot of uh, tradition that's already been set up. Obviously, I've never changed – Good for a wildcat first down. I do joke with people, though, and say, though, instead instead of saying here come the cats, which Dave did a really good job with that. That is my least favorite thing to say, uh, just because I don't think I, I, I do it that well. But um, I, I joke with people like, yeah, I'm going to change it to here come the kitties and just and just hear the reaction. I like, you got to put the old time radio voice on it. Here come the kitties and uh, just get the reaction be like really, this is what we're doing now? or And I and some get that it's just a joke. And it is, I promise you, it's just a joke.
1: Well, I, regardless, I'm looking forward to the Mitch Fortner era. Uh, you know, you, you do a great job with all your other gigs. I'm excited to see you take over for football as well. Um, I'm going to toot your horn a little bit m- more as well as we get started. You declared Deuce Vaughn your boy last year. And I think you were either the first or second guy after Brian, who really called your shot with Mr. Vaughn, it was one A, one B. I can't remember who I heard say it first. Um, do you think you deserve a seat at the table when it comes to elite media talent? When it comes to judging, uh, you know, prolific football players, or do you think that was just a lucky shot for you?
2: Uh, you know what? I mean, I don't. I don't think I have the worst opinions in the world of people you know i usually just base guys on their like fundamental talent like first like for instance dron mcpherson i love him because he's a form tackler like not many people would maybe look at him that way i just that's what i love about him uh with deuce though that was that was a little lucky that was a little lucky because I hadn't watched any film on him. The only hunch I got about him when I looked at the depth chart, I was like, okay, he's a small guy, but he's a freshman. He's number two on the depth chart behind Harry Harry Trotter. I'm like, all right, there's something about that guy. So I just took a leap. I was like, you know what? I like short guys. I'm a short guy. Darren Sprouls is my favorite athlete of all time. Why not just call my shot on Deuce Font? And by God, did it work out? Not only is he hashtag my boy, but he is a lifetime achievement hashtag my boy. That'll never go away. And it's like, to the point now, where like, I, you know, Skyler could win the Heisman trophy, but Deuce is still my boy.
1: Oh, for sure. And I love the dynamic between you and John. I think it's so funny. The first time you're really going out on a limb. All right, this is, this is my boy, you know, all that type of stuff. He blows up and has one of the best seasons in you know, true freshman college football history then he, of course, has the My Guy curse. I think you guys declared it dead with Briley Moore, but did you see Briley tore his ACL today? No,
2: I didn't. You're kidding me.
1: No, Briley Moore tore his ACL. So, you know, he got out of Manhattan before the curse hit, but the curse, I think, is alive. I don't think you're – I think you need to bring it up tomorrow on the show and let him know, hey, the curse is not dead. It is alive and well.
2: Wow, I when we're done, I'm going to find a tweet about that and get his attention, and we, I will definitely get the ball rolling on that segment. And It's been a rough preseason for some some rookie cats because uh, White Hubert, he tore his peck, I believe, uh, yeah. last week or maybe two weeks ago. Yeah,
1: and, and I'll say this, and this is kind of getting in the weeds. If the team really puts them on the IR, they get the full rookie minimum salary and get a year counted towards their pension what happened with Byron Pringle when he got hurt so as long as they're using an IR spot on those guys it's not the end of the world especially since Briley was borderline making it so it's mm-hmm. uh, not, not good times I'm not saying getting injured is good but it, it could end up being all right for both
2: well both. Briley yeah the, that, that is one thing about Briley I, I mean I know he has all the confidence in the world and, and so do I into Briley but he I mean he's probably not in a good place right now he's probably thinking some dark things about his career right now because that is a re- that's really bad timing
1: yeah. And, and I listened to a lot of the interviews. He's a bright guy, whether or not the future is the NFL, I think whatever he ends up doing, he'll be successful. So I wish him a speedy recovery, um, not to make light of the John Kurtz is uh, my guy curse, but I think he'll bounce back, whatever, if it's NFL, whether it's coaching, whether it's media, I think he's one of the smartest dudes I know.
2: Oh, I, Oh, absolutely. John is. Um, but, that, that's still not going to stop me from giving him a hard time. And it has nothing to do, like, it's not taking any shots at Briley or no. any past hashtag my guy that John has had. It's just a weird coincidence that everybody he brings up with this my guy thing transfers, gets hurt, or both.
1: Yes, it's, it's not good. Let's start moving into the 2021 season. Uh, what spot on the offense or defensive side are you most – Confident in on the field and coming into the
2: season. All right, so I would say I'll, I'll give you answers for both what I'm confident in an offense and defense. I would say offensively, it's got to be the running backs, with uh, obviously Deuce, but you know Jacquardier Wright and um, and and probably I would imagine Joe Irvin will be uh, maybe a third guy into the rotation. Offensive line is another one that comes to mind. I just the offensive line is so important to me that they just can't play perfect enough, even though they, they might have a great game. I, I find the flaws and I, and I wonder if I just want them to get better. And the offensive line is obviously not a, not a perfect entity, but a lot of people will say the offensive line, I got to go with the running back position uh, on that one. And then defense, it's gotta be, it's gotta be like the safeties. I would think you was in you know, the secondary and uh, not so much depth at the corner spot right now. There's should be a lot of depth at safety, uh, with uh, the um, the nickel position kind of being a question mark. But uh, it's kind of like a 1A, 1B here. Uh, the, uh, the defensive line, I think, should be pretty good. I'm pretty confident in them as well, but my top spot probably is the secondary.
1: Yeah, with that secondary, you touched on it. I don't know if the depth is there right now. Hopefully it develops. But if you look at just the one line across, you know, you look at the two cornerbacks, two safeties, And whoever ends up being there at nickel, I have a hard time looking at many teams saying, Hey, they have a definitively better, you know, secondary than us. And in the big 12, that is so important to have that trust in the secondary. Um, This wasn't the outline. So I'm sorry for throwing this at you, but there's been so much hype around Brent's Julius Brent's the transfer from Iowa. Do you think that he ends up living up to it? Or do you think it might be one of those things where he has a solid season, but, because there's been all this offseason hype around him, it's going to be so tough for anyone to live up to all that pressure.
2: See, that's the thing. I'm not giving him really a lot of hype, uh, even though he has played uh, power five. You know, he's going to be coming in from Iowa, and um, um, let me make sure I'm getting my uh, news correct here. Uh, I believe he was a four star guy out of out of high school. So that's, I mean, that's a that's a pretty big get for K State to uh, to grab onto. Um, I think he can live up to the hype. I just, it's my hype. My hype for him, not everybody else's. Like, I'm keeping things more grounded. And I, if he has a great season, that will live up to my hype uh, because he is definitely one of the, uh, when it comes to where he was in high school and even with the experience of Power Five, that's pretty important to me because he was a four star guy. And, and K State really in, the, in history has not had uh, very many guys like that come into the program even out of high school or uh, transfers I mean you probably got to go all the way back to trail Klinkscales. that was the last to um, be that highly ranked and uh, and make their way into the program and that didn't work out too well but I have more confidence in Julius and that's why I bring up the because uh, he's he, he played safety but I probably be played corner uh, for coach climbing and that's where they, they need a guy like him uh, to create depth at the corner position but I do believe he can live up to it.
1: Yeah, as long as he doesn't have a power cat tattoo on his hand like Mister Kling Scale, I think we're going to be okay. Also, I didn't know that. I'm mean, I, I mean, what you didn't know he had that tattoo. Uh-uh. Oh my, yeah, he, he got a power cat tattoo and he showed up in Manhattan. I think he was gone within three weeks. I don't
2: know if you uh, if you listened to today's show, but uh, you, you can see that there's this board right here. I can't really tilt the camera down, but there's a board. I, I run the show right here where I'm sitting. The game uh, Monday through Friday on K Man. And uh, underneath it has become like a time capsule for old show rundowns. And underneath there is an old Terrell Klink scales rundown of when he was arrested and we never saw him again.
1: That's amazing. That's amazing. Also w- what's amazing is. I had that Julius Prince question in there. It was just too, too later. So a little peek behind the curtain here I am thinking I'm springing something on you. I had it in the outline anyway. So, Oh, well, let's well, for the- you Oh, hey, that—that's why you're a pro. Uh, let's let's talk about the man, Skylar 316. What are you expecting from him in his super senior season? How important is it that he came back for that super senior
2: season? Uh, first of all, the first thing I'm expecting is when the Cats play at Texas Tech. Uh, after a big play, go up to Rico Jeffers and just give him a stone cold stunner. That that is objective that. number one. Yeah, that is uh. Little payback. I, it's, you know, maybe worth the 15 yard penalty. It might actually be worse than that. I'd probably get tossed from the game. But by God, will we remember that for the rest of our lives? Um, it's so, to me, it's so big that he comes back because sixth year on the program. That means he'll have three years under Coach Kleiman. There are multiple reasons. One, he is obviously the true leader of this team, he is going to help develop the young quarterbacks. I mean, whoever you think is going to be the next man up, Skyler is going to have a hand in in mentoring him. Um, And hopefully.
1: Yeah, I don't want to interrupt you. Here's some like inside information. I got a text from someone involved in the program just over the weekend, and they said, and I quote, let me read this. Skyler is helping the young guys more than I've ever seen a senior quarterback before. This guy gets it. He is molding these guys and worrying just about as much about them as he is about himself this is a true captain a true leader if he doesn't catch on in the NFL he's going to be a great coach so that's from someone inside the walls of the veneer so you're right on man
2: that that is beautiful words uh, whoever sent that to you well done and to add to that i can't remember who said it but maybe it was skylar maybe skylar said it during media days that uh, he spent most of his time while he was injured during the season of hanging out with the defense. He was learning about what the defense looks for in opposing offense. And maybe he could, you know, what moved, what he learned into his game to make him better. And of course he's going to pass that down to Will Howard, Jake Rubley, Jaron Lewis, and hopefully he's going to start blowing out teams. So we would get to see those guys on the field. I do want to see Jaron Lewis. I've heard some good things about him uh, in this offseason. Uh, Also, you mentioned NFL. That talk has happened over the last month of Skylar Thompson. Could he be a next level guy? And I've had in the back of my mind, like, yeah, I think he could because I think he has a similar size that NFL scouts are looking for these days. A mobile guy, 6'1", 6'2". He has the same frame as guys like Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. And another thing about him that I love so much, Skylar does a phenomenal job, in my opinion, of taking care of the football. He has he's thrown 12 interceptions in 35 career games. I think that's a really good number. And I, I totally believe, I don't, I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, a high draft pick or anything like that, but I think he could have a, a decent shot at making an NFL roster.
1: Yeah. And you guys had someone on from the senior bowl. And I think that was right before all the conference realignment drama started kicking off. So it might've gotten buried a little bit, but I think you guys had someone on, and again, I don't even know if he ends up getting drafted. But I think that if he has a big year, he might get that invite down to Mobile, Alabama, to work out in front of the college or the NFL scouts, and maybe get on a scout team. Maybe you know get in a preseason game. I I I'm not going to say he ever starts an NFL game. I'm not even going to say he will ever make a 53 man roster. But he has a big year. He'll at least you know get get into a training camp.
2: Well, that's another reason why it's so important that he came back just personally for him. Man, start building that tape up some more. Show off what you can do and get the attention of those NFL scouts. Make them want to come to Manhattan, Kansas to, to watch themselves some Skylar Thompson. And I'm, and I'm with you there. Like I, You know, 53-man roster, that's obviously a, a tough thing to do. But I think Skylar will at least have the opportunity to make a roster. I, I think that's at least what he can do.
1: Yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Um, not on the predictions and not on any of this, and I, I actually double-checked this time. Gun to your head, do you think anyone does get drafted in the 2022 NFL draft to extend it out to two years in a row?
2: Well, outside of Skyler, I'm trying to think of uh, who would be on the roster. I. Uh, that that could definitely go. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of seniors uh, that could potentially go because I, I, you know, I, and I, I root for anybody that wants to leave early and try to make it. That just worries me because, um, I can think of past players that left early and it didn't want, work out well for them.
1: Um, I'm if you're, thinking if you're about seniors. I, I'm worried, and I think the yeah. best one would be if Timmy Horn has a big year in defensive tackle.
2: See, I've heard Timmy Horn's name thrown out there, like. I I really like the potential of Daniel Imaterbebe, but is he next-level type of talent? I don't know.
1: I think he's next-level talent, but if you want to talk about a glass prince on the football field, he has had the worst injury luck. So if he stays healthy, he might be one of those guys. I think he has a brother who... I don't think he ended up getting drafted but he's I think on the Jaguars he was a priority undrafted free agent so it's an athletic family but I, I he, if he stays healthy maybe he's the guy.
2: Yeah, right now it looks like an outside chance but you you're right bringing up Timmy Horn that was a name I I heard being thrown around a little bit so he might be that guy. I'm not sure.
1: Yep. All right, now it's time to get Mitch to go on the record as he showed last year on the game. He can Make some pretty good predictions, even a month in advance. So being, I think it's what, 40 days or 36 days or something. I don't know. We're still a little ways out a month from kickoff, but I think he's going to do great in all this. So first off, and I think it's easy. The the first part of this is easy. The follow-up might be a little harder, but who is going to be the offensive MVP?
2: (laughs) That would be hashtag my boy, Deuce Vaughn.
1: I love it. And I don't think you need much explanation there. No. If, if you had to make a prediction, rushing and passing combined, how many yards is he going to get this year? So I, I've already,
2: yeah, yeah. I already made the prediction on the game that uh, that Deuce will reach a 1,000 yards rushing. Because if you look at his rushing numbers, add on a couple of games, which you hope it's three more than last year with a bull game, he would only need about 11 more yards a game to get to a thousand yards, that's just how the averages work out. That is totally doable, especially his talent. Now with receiving, I'm, oh boy, I would say, boy, that is tough. One thousand, let's say one thousand rushing. See, I don't want to go out on too far of a limb and just sound like a like a goof.
1: No, go for um, it. That's a, that's what the preview series is all about, man. You have the power cat on your chest. Go all in. Well,
2: will see. I was thinking one thousand rushing, five hundred receiving. I've also been known to go over the top in predictions sometimes and think. Go ahead.
1: Well, I was gonna say, I Deuce might have had five hundred yards receiving last year, so I don't think that's too crazy.
2: I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but that. I'm hoping you know the wide receivers. You can't have Deuce Fun out there not be a receiving threat, but I'm hoping the receivers will step up and you know be more effective than uh, like Malik Knows, like what we saw at him the last couple of games of the season. Like we get more of that Honestly, and take some that, of the pressure away from Deuce.
1: That's a good call. He he had 434 yards re- or receiving last year. So I, I think that's a good call. Hopefully he is not needed as much in the receiving game. Um, so here's the follow-up. If it wasn't going to be Deuce and you can't say Skyler, who would be like your dark horse offensive MVP?
2: Well, I'm, I'm sorry, offensive line, but um, you, you guys just – you don't get announced at the games. You don't get your names announced from the, the radio, you know, Wyatt and Stan, but uh, – too often, but uh, – um, unfortunately, they're not going to get a nod here. I would probably have to lean Malik Knowles. Um,
1: yeah, I, I think that's a good call. No, no, what you should do is anytime a, a lineman gets a pancake block, be like, Oh, pancake block for Cooper Beebe, start giving them a little love.
2: I will until uh, somebody you know asks for forgiveness, don't ask for permission until somebody comes down to the booth and says, Hey, let's uh, let's. Let's cut it with the, uh, you know, quit putting so much maple syrup on those pancakes.
1: <laughs> I love it. Maybe I'll have to get in uh, Stan and Wyatt's ears to start giving the guys a little bit more love on the radio broadcast. All right, let's flip it over to the defensive side. Last year, we told everyone you can't say Wyatt Hubert because I think that was the runaway easy one. I don't think it's as easy this year, so I want to hear who you uh, who you think the defensive MVP is.
2: Well, this one's easy. It's Dron McPherson. He's my favorite player on defense until do showed up. He was my favorite player on the team uh, because simply he is just the best tackler on the team. And, you know, to me, that's a lot to say from a guy that's in the secondary because, and I brought this up to coach Klim and asked him about it uh, maybe a couple of years ago about when he, when guys on the, on the opposing offense, again, to the secondary, you'll see K-State secondary guys try to just shoulder with their tackles. Like they just kind of lean into hits and try to knock guys over with shoulder tackles, which most of the time it, to me, it just doesn't work out. But McDron McPherson is a wrap up helmet across the body type of tackler. And he was a leading guy, uh, tackler last year. He also led the team in solo tackles he doesn't need a lot of help to tackle guys. That's another thing I love about him. He's a great solo, solo tackler type of guy. So Jerron McPherson is, uh, is an easy pick for me, defensive MVP.
1: I love it. Now let's go to young breakout player on offense. And for this, I'm going to say freshman or sophomore who is yet to make a major impact. You can take that however you will.
2: All right. So I, I wish I had a depth chart. For this, because that's how I uh, made the uh, call on Deuce. So, uh, uh, offensively, so I'm just going with what I've been hearing. Uh, watch out for Tyrone Howell at wide receiver. He's a transfer from uh, Hutch. Uh, I mean, he's a winner. He's already he's a, a winner. He's a national champion. He is a JUCO national champion. He had a 100-yard receiving game in the Natty. Uh, okay. So what else I like about him is that he is tall. He, he's, I think he's six, four. Uh, he's a physical wide receiver. I hear he blocks very well. He's a, I mean, with that height, he's gotta be a good 50, 50, uh, type of guy going up for those catches, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm going to have to, I have to go Tyrone how on that one.
1: I like that pick. I like that pick. Let's flip it over to the defensive side, who is going to be your young breakout player on the defensive side of the ball?
2: I think he's the guy that I hope is the breakout guy, and that's uh, Amaris Brown, who is – I would have him penciled in right now as the nickel, which is a big question mark right now, even after his name. I don't know who I would put maybe in that next spot, but uh, Amaris Brown, I I do believe he's a sophomore, and he will probably – He's going to be filling in a gap, which is a big question right now. So uh, hopefully he will be the breakout guy on defense.
1: he will definitely have the opportunities to be the breakout guy. So that, that would be good. Right, now, and this is probably my favorite question, and I'm most anxious to hear everyone's answer to this one. What is the pendulum game of the year? The one game that if we win, it could swing the season towards possibly being great. And if we lose, it's going to be a bad season. All
2: right. So let me um... – let me break down the schedule for you a little bit. So the first three games of the season, the non-con, you have, you have Stanford, Southern Illinois, Nevada. I mean, to me, those are all those be pretty tough games because I think Nevada is pretty good. And the Salukis, they are underrated when it comes to FCS teams. But then after that, you look at the schedule and it's tough right away. Oklahoma State on the road at home against Iowa State and Oklahoma. That is tough right out of the gate. So that could really go either way. I mean, you could easily call it three and three, four and two, whatever you want. It's the next game after those six that I think will definitely swing the, the, the season one way or another. That is at Texas Tech on October 23rd, because on paper, you think the Cats are superior. But look at the past history in Lubbock. You have an overtime game. You have a game that was won by three points. But Skylar has never lost to Texas Tech at home or on the road, and uh, that is, I think, is going to be, a. it could be definitely a make or break. I don't consider a game that early to be a break, but it it could definitely tell you exactly what, uh, which way the uh, season could go after those really tough conference games to start out, where you think it gets easier, that is a sleeper that you, uh, you don't want to take the uh, Red Raiders for granted.
1: Yeah, and I'm planning on being down there. I have a friend who lives in liberal Kansas, so that's actually the closest Big 12 stadium to him. So uh, I might be making my second uh, straight trip to Lubbock. Um, And honestly, I don't know if this is a hot take or not. You may agree or disagree. I don't think Lubbock's as bad as what some people try to make it out to be. I think it's better than Stillwater, Ames, and Waco, personally. Uh,
2: I am not a fan of Waco. I do like Baylor's campus. Um, like around the stadium. I like, I love the, uh, the, the river there and you can go kayaking and stuff. I think that's really cool. I'm not a fan of Baylor stadium, McLean stadium. I think it's bland as hell. Um, but speaking of bland to me, that is Lubbock, Texas. I think it's a really bland town. Um, I do appreciate them having Waterburger. big Waterburger fan. I've gone out in Lubbock a couple of times and I've had a great time, but they don't, I, I don't think they really have like a bar district. Like they just kind of have them scattered. Yeah. Uh, but L- no. Lubbock's all right. It's not. It's not my least favorite. I do love Fort Worth. I love oh, Fort Worth, oh, Texas. Fort
1: Worth is my favorite of them all. I prefer Fort Worth to Austin personally. Me too. One too. But you know what? Austin can like fall into a big sinkhole and die. Um, the entire city. Ah, that's a little harsh. But I'm not happy. So let's right. move on to the the big question: What is K State's record this year? All
2: right. So this is where I've known to like overshoot it. Uh, a little bit in the past mostly with basketball but football it's happened as well but i i I try to predict this where i think k-state can it seems like a ceiling but they could definitely reach it um i do have k-state eight and four right now regular season eight and four regular season five and four in the big 12 i don't know where exactly i'd put them in the pecking order when it comes to the standings but i would imagine uh at least at the halfway mark of the standings um but it's just so tough to predict right now, and I. But I have to put the cats five and four, but that or uh, eight and four, but that might change tomorrow. I just well, had, every, I'm at eight and four right now.
1: Well, everyone needs to make sure they listen every day to the game live or on podcast apps everywhere. Um, who are you predicting to play in the Big Twelve Championship?
2: Well, I think you got to go. Uh, You obviously got to go, you know, Baylor and Texas Tech probably. No, that's definitely not going to happen. Those two losers um, don't have a chance. Oklahoma and Iowa State. Um, To me, this is like Iowa State's K-State 2012. Like, you know, K-State 2011, they really showed off, but they were just a step behind winning the Big 12, you know, because K-State in 2011 finished in second that year at Oklahoma State, but everybody's coming back. They are absolutely loaded. Of course, Oklahoma does stand in the way, but Iowa State is is stacked. So I, I mean, I, I there's no way I'm not going to put Iowa State in that game. And of course, Oklahoma wins the conference every year. But uh, this is this is Iowa State's 2012. It's got to be right. And so, can they? I, I might actually pick Iowa State to win the Big 12 this year. That's not cool as a K State fan, but uh, screw Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you would have told me like three weeks ago that I would be cheering for Oklahoma or for Iowa State when they play Oklahoma, I would have punched you in the face. But I think that's where I'm at right now. Do I want to see a Iowa State succeed? No, but I want to see anyone but Oklahoma and Texas win it this year.
2: Right. And, I mean, do I want to see an Oklahoma-Iowa State Big 12 championship? I mean, obviously, I want the Cats to be in it. I don't really you want to see a rematch.
1: Armageddon Big 12 championship at the AT&T Stadium. My God. Well,
2: you know, both fan bases would travel really well for that game. You know, and and fingers crossed. Oh, and drink. Oh, my God. Man, the partying that weekend, that would just be so much fun. I mean, those are two schools coming from really cold places in December. It would be a party. Um, And boy, is that going to be a big game this year when when Iowa State visits Manhattan. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to predict Oklahoma and Texas to win anything.
1: All right. And then the final question this year, last year, the question was how many games will we get in during the COVID season? So for an equally depressing question, who is K-State sharing a conference with in
2: 2022? Okay. So does this, this is, you know, we're talking about like realignment.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. Um, I would say they're going to, they're going to share the conference with everybody in the big 12, but Oklahoma and Texas OU and Texas might uh, might still be in the conference technically, uh, but they're like the, uh, the redheaded stepchild at this point where uh, you don't really want to give them any attention, you don't like them, and uh, I don't consider them a part of the conference anymore, so I'm not sharing a damn thing with them.
1: I love it. I love it. That's all we have for Mitch Fortner during this Blitz Month, a preview of K-State football uh, Mitch plug whatever you want tell the boneheads or anyone listening anything you'd like to the stage is yours
2: well uh this is pretty much my daily lineup I do the KMA morning show from six to nine with the former PA voice of the cats Dave Lewis we've been doing a morning show together for over five years now uh so it's kind of funny how that's kind of a passing of the torch um and then uh the game from four to six and then um uh, I'm still on K Rock. I just hit my nine year anniversary on K Rock uh, three days ago, uh, as of this recording. That was July 31st. So, um, and that's from seven to midnight. Now, I just record that show. That I'm, the hell if I'm going to do that live. That's uh, that's too long of a day. Um, and then you can follow me on Twitter. I just recently hit 2,000 followers. It's about time at Mitch the Fort. I've been actually trying to get that changed. I want the I want the um, the handle just at Mitch Fortner. But some jabroni down in Texas that tweets once a year is holding on to that. I reached out to him. I was like, how much money is it gonna to take to get this handle? He never got back to me. So until then, it's still at Mitch the Fort.
1: Well, Mitch, you're the hardest working man in Manhattan Radio. I think you have the best voice. I can't wait to hear you in Bill Snyder Family Stadium, AT&T Stadium, and like I said, all across the airwaves. Thank you for joining us. Boned. Follow him, and also, if you're going to cyberbully someone, I'm not pro-cyberbullying, but cyberbully at Mitch Fortner until he gives up the handle to our king, Mitch the Fort. Thanks again for coming on. Again, everyone, give him a follow. We love you guys. Like I said, we are going live with the show every weekday from here until game day versus Stanford. Buckle in Blitz month. Blitz month is just getting started and I can't wait to keep cranking stuff out and getting ready for football season it's almost here folks
0: there was a ghost inside my room last night she sang Here I go, pass me the microphone, baby I can show you what it takes to begin There was a ghost inside my room last night It came to me as no surprise Let me go, it's a long while gone from here baby You can show me all the mistakes I've made And still make my room last night The rest of the world was tucked in tight She swore to me that if I fell asleep She'd hurt me worse inside my dream. So, here I go Pass me the bottle back, baby I can show you how to room